This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we preview number two nationally ranked men's lacrosse's showdown with number three Tufts. A track star broke a school record, and the rowing teams handled all challengers last weekend. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. If you are listening to this podcast on Tuesday, the number two nationally ranked and undefeated Bates men's lacrosse team plays at number three Tufts tonight at 7 o'clock. Head coach Peter Lasagna helps us preview the big showdown. Well, coach, we're kind of capturing a moment in time here. The podcast comes out today before the game, but by the time most people listen to this, the game will be over. But let's get your feelings right now on the morning of the Tufts game. You're kind of in a situation you've never been been in before Bates, right? Uh, I suppose. I mean, some things about the situation are uh, quite familiar. Uh-huh. We're playing Tufts in a really important lacrosse game. Yeah. Um, so that that hasn't changed. Uh, the fact that where we are ranked uh, and with having them just lost, I suppose that makes it a little bit different. But honestly, uh, we're just approaching it the same way. We're, we're playing Tufts. We're playing a great lacrosse team. Uh, probably an angry lacrosse team uh, at their place under the lights. Uh, we're really looking forward to this. Yeah, they did lose to Amherst uh, recently. Did you almost prefer that they would have won that game? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, either way, we were going to have to play them. So, uh, But, yeah, that, that little added edge uh, that it brings, and maybe sometimes from a coach's perspective, it's really important for your players to learn that they are vulnerable. Uh, you can get their attention often better that way. So, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose. But, again, we, whether they have a loss or not, we are going to have to get on the bus today and, uh, and go to Tufts. So uh, it's going to be a heck of a ball game. I know you watch a lot of tape. Uh, this Tufts team has a new head coach this year, first-year head coach. Do you see any similarities and differences from last season based on this new head coach? It's actually it's very interesting uh, because he's new, but he's old. Um, he's a Tufts graduate. He came through the program. Uh, he was a disciple, you know, recruited by and, and trained by Coach Daly, uh, who's now at Brown. And so they're very similar. Um, you know, they might not be quite um, as insistent in terms of trying to generate a shot every five seconds uh, like they've been the last few years, but they're still playing very fast. Uh, they put a little bit more emphasis on the 10-man ride. They 10-man they ride a lot. It's a key component of their success. So I would say that's probably the biggest difference is that they, they pressure ride you all game long. 10-man ride for the novice, what is that? That means that you pull your goalie out. Mm-hmm. So in a normal situation, if, when you don't pull your goalie, uh, the clearing team has a numbers advantage. Uh, it, when you pull your goalie, you can theoretically cover every person. So what they do, uh, their most successful form of it, is that they ride down as soon as the ball is shot and the goalie makes a save or defenseman picks the ball up. They ride all three ad- attackmen down very, very hard and try to create a turnover instantly right there. Um, and if they don't get you there, they then try to pinch you on just on the other side of the midfield line and double-team you if, if they can uh, right on the corner there. So, um, it's again, if we clear the ball well, it's, it's going to play a gigantic role in our success. So you mentioned the clearing, the importance of clearing. Um, but what are some maybe some specific matchups perhaps that you're intrigued to see? Yeah, they have um, it's an amazing tradition at Tufts. Uh, 
a great attackman has worn the number 28 for uh, a really long time. And uh, the latest addition is a young man by the name of Danny Murphy, who we actually also loved a lot and recruited um, from Halpog, Long Island. And he's a sophomore who's just having a breakout year. And so the Fred Ulbrich on Danny Murphy matchup is gigantic. Uh, the Charlie Gravina on Michael Matson matchup is gigantic. Um, and, you know, in the midfield, we're going to sort of pick our poison. Uh, there, there are a lot of dangerous people. We're trying to figure out exactly who we're going to long stick. Uh, but we'll get, it, we'll get it figured out. Yeah, when it comes to deciding who you're going to put a long stick on, how do, what, what goes into that decision making? Well, they have... Uh, their first midfield is really talented, um, and part of it is just sort of a, uh, how do you match up size-wise? So they have a young man by the name of Cordry, last name Cordry, um, who's really dangerous, really active, uh, very athletic, really fast, great shooter with both hands, um, but a fairly normal-sized human being, I mean, probably six feet. And then they have a, another young man, uh, Ben Connolly from Chicago, who's 6'4", 220. So the question for us is, uh, do we put the long pole on Cordry, who we think actually has a more diversified dodging and shooting game, or do we put it on the biggest human out there? Um, so we're leaning towards Cordry, but we'll see how the game plays out. Last year, obviously, a double overtime thriller of one by Bates. You guys rallied after being down at halftime. Charlie Faye, the last two years, has had just monster games against Tufts. Do you expect to see them just, just devote a lot of resources to him, or do you expect to see them try to maintain a balanced approach on defense? Uh, that's a great question. I, I think that they'll, they're probably having that conversation right now. Um, do we hold? They have very good. They have a lot of confidence in their close defensemen. They don't like to slide to their close defensemen. Uh, they're big, strong, athletic guys, and so I think they're probably hoping that they can cover Charlie with one uh, person. Uh, we would like to see them do that. We think that actually helps us. Uh, but, look, it, it may be quite trite to say this, but uh, great players get excited for these games. And so whether Charlie Fay is being defended by one guy or they're sliding early to him, uh, Charlie's goal is to do whatever he can do to help us win this game. And as you know, as we've talked about it before, we have a lot of other weapons. So uh, sometimes some teams focusing so many resources on Charlie actually opens things up for some other people. But I expect Charlie to, to contribute mightily to this game. All right, last question for you. If someone listens to this on Wednesday or Thursday, why did Bates win? Why did Bates lose? Bates won because Bates cleared the ball well against the 10-man ride. Um, if Tufts wins, it's because uh, we didn't take care of the ball when we were clearing it. But uh, we feel really good about where we are right now. We've had really phenomenal practices coming out of exams, and so we get on that bus, I think, a, a very confident, excited bunch. All right, Coach, thanks so much for the preview. Thank you, Aaron. The track and field teams competed at the Wildcat Invitational on Saturday, taking on the likes of UMaine and New Hampshire. Senior Captain Patrick Griffin won the 800-meter run on the men's side, and on the women's side, Senior Captain Allison Hill won the 200-meter dash and led off Bates' winning 4x400 relay team. Sophomore Katie Barker won the 3,000-meter run. Sophomore Aiden Eikhoff won the 1,500-meter run. And junior Sally Cisse won the triple jump. But our female Bobcat of the Week is senior captain Jessica Wilson. She did not compete at the Wildcat Invitational. Instead, on Friday night, she headed south to Connecticut College for the Silfen Invitational. And in a field of 55 runners, Wilson won the 5,000-meter run with a Bates record time of 16 minutes, 57.09 seconds. Not only is Wilson our female Bobcat of the Week, 
she earned the NASCAG Track Performer of the Week award as well. We hopped on the telephone to check in with the senior captain. Talking to our female Bobcat of the Week, Jessica Wilson, here on the Bobcast. And Jess, obviously a great meet for you. You went to the Sylvan Invitational down at Connecticut College. But first of all, before you talk about the 5,000-meter run, which obviously went extremely well, it was basically just you and then two runners from the men's team down there. So what was that like for you to be being away from the rest of the women's team off to this meet down in Connecticut essentially by yourself? Yeah, it was, it was a little different. It was definitely a really cool experience, and I was happy that I was able to go with Mike and Evan, and we had our little con- contingency, and our coach Jay was able to drive us down, which was really nice. But it was definitely a little strange being the only woman there. And it was nice to have, you know, Coach Jay there. But it was really nice to rejoin the team the following day at UNH. So it was kind of a really sort of rewarding thing to be able to compete at a separate meet and then also be able to go support my teammates the next day. So it was, it was a good weekend. But you didn't have to run the next day or anything, did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we, we went on a, an easy run, but we didn't race the next day. So we were just there timing and cheering our teammates on, which was really nice. Nice, and then you went the 5,000-meter run there on Friday. You, you broke the school record, and so yeah. uh, you were top 10 before, but now you're number one, and I know you, the previous record was by your teammate, Catherine Koku, who I know is also a cross-country teammate with you, so what was that like to, to break her record, at least for now, right? Yeah, that was funny. She kinda, she's actually brought in Nepal right now, and so she reached out to me, and we talked a little bit, and I know that if she were here, you know, we'd really be running it together since we ran all of cross-country together, so... You know, it was definitely pretty cool, and I have good faith that she'll probably come back next year and probably, you know, break that record. So definitely kind of cool to have that experience. And then at least as of Friday, I know these things change quickly. You were number one in all Division three for that race. So what does that mean to you? Yeah, so I think I think it def- I think I definitely dropped a little bit down the, the <laughs> page, but that but that's okay. It's really exciting. I didn't really know going in exactly, you know, if I would even make it on the list. And so I think that was kind of a bit of a confidence boost and definitely, you know, got to figure out some logistics because the 5K is the day before graduation, mm-hmm. but it'll be really exciting and I'm, I'm super excited to go and represent the Bates team. I know at indoors you obviously ran the 3,000 meter and so 5,000 meter, 5K, a little bit more. Um, how does that change in terms of a race strategy for you? Yeah, definitely. It's uh I would say pretty similar um, mentally to the 3K in the sense that you kind of have to pick a pace and stick with it. And so it's not really that painful until about halfway or two-thirds of the way in when you start to realize that you've been running for 20 minutes or 15 minutes or however long you've been running for. Um, So, yeah, it's definitely, it's mentally, I think, a lot harder than a race like the 800 or the 15 where it's kind of done in a few minutes. You're really just kind of cranking out lap after lap at a pretty reasonable pace. So mentally it's pretty tough, but I'm starting to kind of like the races that are a little bit longer distance more now, now that I was sort of exposed to the 3K and now the 5K. So I definitely like it, but it's definitely a challenge. Excellent. The next day you mentioned you were able to go support your teammates up at the Wildcat Invitational. So what really stood out to you from that one, watching your teammates compete? That was wonderful. That was awesome. Um, Any runner will tell you that if they go get to be at a track meet where they don't have to run, it's pretty exciting. (laughs) Um, because, I mean, everyone loves to run and compete, but it can be very stressful and people get very nervous. And so when you have an opportunity where you're just there and you're supporting your teammates, I think that's one of the best experiences you can have on a track team. So it was great. 
it was wonderful. They had some great performances on both the women's and the men's side. So it was definitely a, a great day. Coming up next, uh, going ahead here, April 21, the Aloha Relays uh, yeah. against uh, at Bowdoin. And so what's that? I know you've competed in that before. What's that like? Yeah, the Aloha Relays, in my opinion, is the best meet um, of perhaps the whole year. And Aloha's is essentially the women's state meet but it's way more laid back. Um, they play music. They have a hula hooping competition at the end. And <laughs> if you place, they, they place a Hawaiian lei on your head. So it's, it's pretty fun. Um, and even though it is pretty relaxed, people end up doing really well because it's so relaxed. So it ends up being one of the meets where Bates actually does the best in, but it's also a meet where people can try different things and try different events if, you know, if they're not too familiar with that event so it's really a great meet i'm not sure what i'll be racing but uh regardless i'm very excited for it should be fun yeah what are some of the other races besides the 5k you're looking at here in outdoors i know obviously you mentioned the nationals kind of conflict with uh, graduation and whatnot but what are some other races you've been competing in or are going to compete in you think yeah i think hopefully the 1500 and it'll probably be between the 1500 and the the 5k as far as that's kind of what I'll be bouncing back and forth between for the next couple of weeks. And they're definitely pretty different races, but um, they're definitely, you know, similar in the sense that, you know, both of them are pretty mentally difficult races. However, one is obviously much longer than the other. So it's sort of a different pace going from one race to the other weekend to weekend. So that'll be sort of my challenge is trying to, you know, when I start the 1500, remember that I'm not in a 5k and, you know, run, five seconds slower than I normally would. Right. <laughs> oh, excellent. Well, any other thoughts on the weekend and how it went? Obviously, Friday, um, you must have been feeling pretty good out, uh, out there on the race course. When did you find out you'd broken the record? Yeah, it was pretty exciting. Um, Jay sort of had a sort of a time in mind for me per, per lap um, that she wanted me to hit, and I hadn't really added it up in my head what that would have been. But, you know, we sort of had a general range that we were looking for, and she said the race was going to be competitive enough to just kind of go for it. And so that's what I did. And so I didn't really know until the end that I had broken the record, but it, it was pretty exciting. And there was, it got pretty competitive in about the last K. A girl from Tufts really uh, sort of took the lead and started stepping it up quite a bit. And so I just really tried to stay with her. So that was really, really helpful to just sort of, you know, run behind people and have people to run with. So definitely pretty exciting this weekend. Excellent. Well, Jess Wilson, our female Bobcat of the Week, thanks so much, and congrats again on the record-breaking performance there. Great. Thank you, Aaron. On Monday, the baseball team won its seventh consecutive game with a 9-4 victory over Fisher College at Leahy Field. It's their longest winning streak since 2011. Senior captain Ryan McCarthy homered in the bottom of the first to set the tone in the win. Uh, you know, it was just a good pitch to hit, and luckily, you know, I was able to get my bat on it and drive it, so... Uh, you know, it's just good, good pitch to hit. <laughs> good pitch to hit. What was it like? Fastball was it? Uh, I was just fastball middle in, and yeah. just good count to uh, swing. So it uh, went well. <laughs> Absolutely, it went well. Yeah, fell over the left field fence. Um, the team as a whole, obviously, a seventh straight victory. You've had six straight wins to start the NESCAC season. I mean, you must be thrilled your senior year to have this great start, right? Yeah, I mean, being on the team for four years, this doesn't happen often. And winning seven games in a row absolutely doesn't happen often. And six and zero is, you know, one of, if not the best start we've had. And that's something that's you know special. And it's great to be a part of. And it's awesome, you know, your senior year. It's really great. 
I have a question for you that I've wanted to ask for a while. It didn't happen today, but you get hit by the pitch a lot, and you're good at it. It seems like it's a skill. How, did, did you work on that kind of stuff? <laughs> uh, no, it's just where you stand in the box, and luckily, you know, sometimes they throw it inside, so it, you know, just can't can't move too much. But it's uh, it's good. You don't really have any fear of being hit. It seems like. Uh, no, it's not so much fear. You just hope you don't get it in the wrong spot, I guess. <laughs> right, right. Now, what have you been working on at the plate here uh, over the last few games? What are you working on you know, maybe today and then also on Wednesday at St. Joe's? Uh, it's definitely just a matter of getting good pitches to hit and putting a good swing on good pitches and driving the ball the, all over the place, all over the field. And hopefully another team can do that as well and we can string some hits together and keep this train rolling. Team pretty fired up for Friday because I know Trinity the last two years has kind of like turned the season one way or the other, right? Yeah, exactly, and this is a huge series for us, and it's a huge series for them as well. So, you know, we got to come out, we got to be ready to play, and hopefully we can keep, uh, keep winning NESCAT games. All right, Ryan McCarthy, thanks so much. Thank you, Ray. Monday was the first game of the season at home for the baseball team, and the softball team debuted at home as well with a doubleheader against Thomas College. The Bobcats split the twin bill, taking game one 2 to nothing behind the outstanding pitching of Kirsten Pelletier and falling just short by a score of 4-3 to three in Game 2. For head coach Mikel Barnes, just getting back on the field was more important than anything else. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, I, we have also just games in general, in addition to being home games. <laughs> right. um, that's fun, too. Uh, but, no, our grounds guys did a great job getting our field ready. It looks great. Um, it's always nice to be able to wear our home uniforms at home and enjoy that experience for sure. And Pelletier in game one, complete game shut out against Thomas College. What did you see from her? It looks like she's really adapting to college ball well. Yeah, she she did well. Um, certainly still a lot of work to do. Um, you know, we're working on her hitting her spin pitches uh, more consistently. Uh, but, you know, if she can get a little mustard on the ball with her, with her drive, then I think she's got, you know, good things going for this season. Some of the early NESCAT games, obviously, you had to go to Trinity, even those those were your quote-unquote home games. You had one game there with Tusk, you have a few later. A lot of close games. Got Colby this weekend. How valuable are these non-conference games to prepare for the NESCAT games on the weekend? Well, that's been our challenge this season is, mm-hmm. you know, we played well in Florida, and then we went a month pretty much without playing. Right. And then, you know, we had those conference games, and we lost a tough one to Tufts, 2-1. to one. We out-hit them. Um, and then we went a week without playing. So we're looking to find a groove, and I think this week, um, non-conference and conference, we're really looking to get into that groove and, and, you know, feel that confidence. Because when you go five weeks of practice without playing a game, it takes a little bit to get some something under your um, under your belt. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's what we're looking forward to this week. I think tomorrow, you know, today. We kind of played like we hadn't played for a little while. Um, tomorrow is really exciting because now we have we have that under our belt today. So going into tomorrow with more confidence and um, that those two games that we had today is is going to be really exciting. When you have so much time off, if you will, between games, does that impact the hitters more? You think than the pitchers necessarily because the hitters haven't seen maybe the live pitching they need to? Absolutely. I I think, you know, obviously with timing, um, your routine, getting that down, we do a lot of tee work, front toss, uh, but it's very hard to simulate that live pitching, not just live pitching, but in-game at-bat. So simulating that is really difficult unless you're in-game and you're getting your at-bat. So I think it takes the hitters a little bit to to really um, hit their stride. All right, Coach, thanks so much, and good luck the rest of the week. Thanks, Aaron.
The number one nationally ranked women's rowing team shined at the Tufts University crew races on Saturday. The first varsity eight, the second varsity eight, and the third varsity eight combined to go 6-0 against the likes of co-number one nationally ranked Wesleyan, fourth ranked and defending national champion Wellesley, and the host, sixth ranked Tufts. Meanwhile, the men's rowing team also impressed with their performance. The first and second varsity eights combined to go 4-0 against NESCAC foes, Wesleyan, and Tufts. Taking home male Bobcat of the Week honors this week is the entire first varsity eight of junior Joshua Bilchek at the bow, senior captain Eric Diven, junior captain Mats Terevich, junior Quinn Hayward, junior Daniel Sparks, sophomore Eric Jordan, junior Roderick Pratt, junior Quinn Gardner at stroke, and senior captain Ben Whitehead at Coxon. Diven joined the Bobcast to give us an inside look at the men's rowing team. Great regatta there, the Tufts University crew races. You guys killed it out there, didn't you? Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, it was it was certainly uh, something that we were very happy to just see across the board. Just great times um, all the way from uh, the 1V to the 3V. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun for us to have the opportunity to um, sort of square up against schools that we're going to be racing later on in the season. Um, for us, Tufts and Wesleyan are always um, great sort of um, benchmarks for um, how we expect to perform once we get into our bigger championship races. Um, and we do that um, pretty much uh, up until we get to those races. So um, later, um, this, uh, at the end of this week, we're going to be racing MIT, which is another really solid benchmark for us. And um, for the first time uh, the week after that, uh, Holy Cross um, is on our uh, horizons as well. So we're, we're just really excited to keep the ball rolling. Awesome. Now, you're one of the captains, and it's a fairly big team, and I, obviously you can only be in one boat. <laughs> so what's your role as captain? What, do, what are some of your responsibilities? Well, um, thankfully, I, I'm not the only captain. Right. That would be a little overwhelming. <laughs> um, so this year, we've got um, three uh, captains, including myself. Um, we have a fellow senior, uh, Ben Whitehead, and uh, a junior, actually, this year, Mats Terwish. Um, and while we all are in the 1V, we really don't like to think of us as um, being captains of just one boat. We're captains of the whole team. So um, we take on a lot of um, different roles, um, mostly as uh, sort of venues of communication um, between um, people on our team and the coaching staff is a very important role for the captains. Um, we can serve as intermediaries there, making sure that everybody's safe, um, making sure that um, everybody is being heard in a way that they feel respected and included on the team, and just making sure that the, um, the environment of our team is generally one that is friendly, open, and is open uh, and is as competitive as possible. Great. And then, um, you know, looking at your, your role on the team, uh, before the season I talked with Coach Steenstra about the captains, and he mentioned that you are very much a hardcore racer. You like to get out there on the water <laughs> and just go at it. Uh, do you, would you agree with that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think we have a lot of guys on the team yeah. that are like that. Um, I, I'd like to think of myself as one of them. Um, that, that's sort of something that I love about the, the Bates men's rowing team in general. You have a bunch of guys here that are from all different walks of rowing. Um, you have people like me who, you know, as rowers go, are a little bit on the small side, like barely cusping six feet is small for a rower. Um, and then you have uh, guys like uh, Quinn Hayward, who were six foot nine, you know, like uh, monsters. Um, and, you know, we managed to take all of these different people and put them in a boat together and make it go quickly. And the reason that we can do that is um, there's this 
I, I sort of kind of call it um, being hungry on this team. Like, this team will race anybody, anytime, anywhere. We just want to go. Um, so it doesn't matter who we're racing. It doesn't matter if it's a race that we're even supposed to win. But we will do it. <laughs> we will race a, a bird flying over our boat if we, <laughs> if we have to. Um, and I think that's something that um, Coach Steenstra has really seen in our team and has um, really latched onto as sort of our the character of our boats and it's something that we see all the way from the top of the 1v um to to the um 3v and the fours you know and it, it that comes down to having like uh, what we refer to as a deep team people that keep pushing everybody that's in the seat ahead of them you know whether it's from the 3v to the 2v or the 2v to the 1v there's always jostling for positions and a competitive environment because everybody's hungry to have the fastest boat possible the men's rowing team during your time has had some great accomplishments. I know that, but you got some goals this year that may be unique, perhaps? Yes. Well, um, for the first time uh, my sophomore year, so in 2015, um, Bates Men's Rowing won New England Championships, which was a huge step forward for us. We were beating um, schools like Willian, Trinity, um, Wesleyan, who have always been um, quick, but um, sometimes slightly out of reach. And for the Again, in 2016, we managed to beat these same schools, um, and we're looking for a three-peat this year, obviously. Um, the big difference for us this year um, comes uh, not at New England's, but in the race after, which is a very similar race for us in that we see a lot of the same faces, but this is where um, we get um, the chance to race schools that are not Division III. Um, so we get um, the opportunity to race schools like Hobart, which is a hyper-competitive team. They, they don't have to follow the same sort of Division three rules and restrictions as us. So like when it comes down to times that they're allowed to be coached and times that they're not, they just get the whole year. Um, and they're a very rowing-focused school. Another example of this is Michigan, which is just a, a, a goliath among schools, right? Um, so these are schools that we get to toe up against. And um, this year, we have the opportunity as a team to um, enter, to win a bid, basically, um, into a race um, called uh, the IRAs, um, um, which is huge. So um, the main difference between men's and women's rowing is that um, the women's rowing is a very organized, very Division three. like they have um, a Division three championship. And we don't often get, I mean, we don't. We don't get those same opportunities to have like a, a be-all, end-all championship race. But that's what IRAs is. Um, and IRAs, um, instead of just being Division Three, is everybody. So, I mean, we have the opportunity to, to get a bid into a race where we're towing up against um, the Harvard heavyweights, the Yale heavyweights. Um, basically, uh, to draw a comparison, it's like if Bates football had the opportunity to play against Texas A&M. Right. Um, because that's what these guys are. These are the, these are future Olympians. This is what they do. And, um, it's, it, <laughs> I'm pretty excited about it. It's a huge opportunity. Um, and, um, what we have to do is perform extremely well at, um, ECACs or I guess it's, um, called a different acronym. Now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, right. But, um, the race that we have after, um, New England's and we're all very excited at that opportunity to really, um, to help with the big boys. So things are changing because, uh, when we were coaching, uh, talking with coach Steenstra, he mentioned that previously you guys weren't even allowed to go to the IRAs, right? Yes, abs absolutely. Um, so this year is very unique for us. And another thing, um, that makes it so special is that, um, I mentioned Michigan as an example of one of those like D1 caliber schools that we have the unique opportunity of being, being able to race as, as men's rowers. Um, and Hobart as another one. Hobart, I think, is this year um, quite possibly going to be the only major D1 school that um, we 
that we race. So this is another year that we actually have uh, a serious shot at winning. Um, I'm going to say ECACs again. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah that, that we have it winning ECACs. And besides um, how fantastic that would be for all of us, that's what gives us our shot. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what gives us that opportunity to say, all right, let's take it up to the next level. And there are a lot of amazing things that can happen for our program just by getting into IRAs, right? So suddenly um, when coaches are recruiting, now we say, all right, this is an IRA team. You know, this is a team that has performed at this level and likely will do so again. Um, and just from the rower's perspective, which is, you know, obviously mine, um, it gives us an opportunity to say, all right, we get two more weeks. Um, I mean, a little more than that. I mean, I think the race is on June 3rd this year. We get a few more weeks to just train and keep rowing, keep doing what we love, you know, um, and that's and that's really great. That's very exciting. So that's great news. So good to hear that. And then I know this year has been kind of interesting because we've had uh, a little bit um, questionable weather at times. Yes. Uh, how have you guys dealt with that? Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't you know, you don't need to tell me. <laughs> um, uh, we actually got had our first official on the water practice at the boathouse yesterday, <laughs> yesterday. So, I mean, we're going down and We've, we've had a few races already where we go down and we just like, you know, we'll shake hands with the team afterwards and be like, yeah, we haven't been on the water yet. <laughs> um, and they're always a little flabbergasted. Um, and that's uh, something that a lot of people, I think, could view as a disadvantage, you know. And in some ways it is. But what it's given us the opportunity to do is really focus on our off-the-water fitness. And what has happened um, because of this is we are an incredibly fast, incredibly fit team now that just needs a little finessing on the water, <laughs> um, which we have, thank, thank God, finally the time to do. Um, so... What initially sort of um, can seem like a, a slow roll into the season just due to a lack of water, water time is quite the opposite, in my opinion. It has given us the chance to come onto the water stronger than we've ever been. Um, so I think it, it really bodes well for uh, the conclusion of our season. And I know the team's depth is just great. I mean, I saw the second varsity eight were basically as fast as you guys in the grand final there the last week. Yeah, I mean, well, um, there are different factors like oh. uh, wins and everything. But, but yeah, for we, the record. yeah, for, for the record. But um, yeah, they had an incredible race. Yeah. Um, and I think that there are a lot of guys, like I said before, that are jostling for those 1v positions. And, um, you know, we're, we're here to give them those opportunities. We call it seat racing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think that that is absolutely what you want in any team. You don't want a first boat that is so far away from their second boat that they get comfortable. Mm-hmm. Because um, to bring it back to my sort of analogy before, people who are comfortable are not hungry. You know, if you're, if you're satisfied with the position that you're in, you are not going to push yourself to go faster. Because it's, it's tough to push yourself. But when somebody else is pushing you, you will be faster. Right. <laughs> um, so that's absolutely the thing that we want to see on this team. All right, Eric, just any other thoughts on the season so far, your senior year, and I know you mentioned specific goals of the IRAs and whatnot, but any other thoughts that you've had about what the, your career at Bates has meant to you so far? Uh, well, obviously, I've, I've been very involved in uh, varsity athletics. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's defined my uh, career. Um, I've, <laughs> I mean, uh, I guess unique to me, um, I think I'm the, currently the only geology major on the Bates rowing team. So that's like, you always have to balance like very extensive, extended field trips right. with like practice times. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a blast and uh, I can't believe it's almost over. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for the update. And we're looking forward to the rest of the season for you guys. Uh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Home games this week for Bates include women's lacrosse hosting Tufts Tuesday at 4.30. Softball hosting Maine Farmington in a doubleheader starting at 3.30 on Wednesday. Women's tennis welcoming Wheaton to town on Friday at 4 o'clock. Baseball returning to NASCAC play and taking on Trinity Friday at 3 o'clock. 
and a Saturday doubleheader starting at noon. Softball tangling with Colby in a doubleheader on Saturday starting at 2 o'clock, and women's lacrosse home against Connecticut College starting at noon. If that's not enough, the men's track and field team hosts the Maine State meet on Saturday, and the rowing teams host the President's Cup on Sunday. Yes, the Bates College campus is the center of the D3 sports universe this week, and we'll recap it all next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates, Bates.